Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So on Sunday, Mendel just blew our minds off, right? And I kind of want to explore a little bit more, but let me just give us a reframe that we were talking about how our environments, don't you love it, the word environment? I like that word a lot, how our environments affect our fruit. Did you know that's what we were talking about? I didn't know if you knew that's what we talked about on Sunday. Was anybody here Sunday? Did you know? Okay. And the Holy Spirit's good. Isn't he good? Because what he does is he takes the word in seed form. And since he's on the inside, he's working, he's doing an inside job. He's working with the seed of his word to transform us from the inside out because he's all about the inside. You know, I came from religion and it was all about the outside. And in that funny thing about things on the outside, they eventually reveal that it's not what's on the inside. Right? And so think it not strange that when he begins to reveal something, it's because of his love, not because you're in trouble. Right? Sybil and I had a discussion about this before service, so she was giving me some tools to preach on. But I want to tell her story a little bit. She's a wee tot. She's 30 years old now. She's half my age. Well, I'm not quite 60, but I, I, don't, I don't mind to call it 60. A tape. That was sticky. You know, I don't like things sticky on my fingers. And... When she was young, her dad, thinking he was going to teach her this cool lesson in appreciation, took her to, and her brother, to Toys R Us. And he said, pick anything you want in this store. And so they filled a little basket themselves. You know, one of those, you know, Toys R R Us baskets. You remember those back in the day? They were big because you had to get monster toys in there, right? So you know what they did? They were like, pile in the toys, right? They get up to the register, they ring it up, and the dad turns to both of them and says, do you have any money to pay for this? So there in front of, of course, we know it was probably a 12-year-old working the cash register, but for Sidwo, she didn't know. And he said, well, if you don't have any money, you have to put it all back. And so therein lies a lesson from his perspective. Now he's gone on in her life to do all kinds of those really cool lessons that I would call something different than a lesson, as y'all would know. And see, that's what happens to us. It's happened to most people that I know. I've been doing counseling for 30 some odd years and everybody has a story of when they were a wee tot. And somebody in adult form was either trying to control or semi-train that left a mark on us. And so now we come to know Jesus. 
And Jesus needs to come in because he's living inside. You know, we flip houses on the side when I'm not up here preaching. And when we go into a flip house, it's not nice. There's nothing in it that I ever keep. I don't go in there going, let's see if we can have a garage sale. I hate garage sales. We don't go in there going, I wonder if we'll keep this countertop or these appliances. The reason it's a flip is because it's gross. And there's things within us. See, in the flip house, I'm a designer by education. So in a flip house, when I go look at it, I'm like, no, no, no. This wall needs to move. This doesn't flow good. It don't got no French way. <laughs> it don't have nothing I want to keep. And see, that's Jesus. And the two-thirds of the Godhead lives in you. And he comes in and he's like, oh, this ain't got no French way. I can't move around in here. It's not bad. He didn't design it. Come on, come on. Mr. Toys R Us man designed it, and it didn't fit with your assignment. And it grieves the Father's heart intensely that humans would do that to other humans. And so what he does is he sends a Savior to rescue us from the pain of humanity hurting humanity. But let me just tell you, it was never him. And when I come to this realization, that was never him. I love Romans 5. Did I tell you to turn there? Well, great. You know how much I love the Passion Version. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before, but I'm going to read in the voice tonight. I want to read this little commentary. It says, In God's plan to restore a fallen and disfigured world, Abraham became the father of us all. Now, I've preached a whole series on Abraham, so y'all can go get the tape on YouTube. I went to, I went to Black Rifle again, and I told them I was a YouTuber. It's nothing. Again, it's my fourth time. Crickets. Again, nothing, you know, they ask you if you're a, all those things, special worker. They don't give discounts for YouTubers, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Abraham became the father of us all, the agent of blessing to everyone. Jesus completes what God started. Say thank you, Jesus. He's a completer, right? The author and finisher, right? Good news, right? Jesus completes what God started centuries before when he established Abraham's covenant family. Guess what? You know what I'm going to say right there, don't you? You're shaking your head. You already know. God found you a covenant family. I said it on Sunday. Most of you in here, one life is your promised land. And now... We establish the ownership of stewardship. 
I was reading this little snippet today from some dude that we know. He says, most people don't know they are a heavyweight for the kingdom. Do you know what a heavyweight is? When I grew up, it was back in the early 1900s, they, they boxed. They hit men. Strange sport. Right? And there's this dude named Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. And he was born after me. I'm kidding. And it... <laughs> And I'm just in my prime, see, not, and I know it. And he came along and he said, nobody can touch me. He was a heavyweight, right? See, most, you, we don't understand our identity from God's perspective is that you are meant to tear down strongholds of the enemy. You are meant to take back territory of the enemy. You're a heavyweight in the kingdom. So, of course, the enemy had an assignment to get you somewhere way back when you don't even remember and still in you the idea that you're nothing. Yeah. Ah, people in the back are groaning. You, until you begin pulling on the obvious threads they don't see. That's my job. I'm here tonight to pull on a thread of you that you have not been able to see before. This is your time, baby. You were born for such a time as this. I don't care if you didn't know it yesterday, which was Tuesday. Today is the day. This is the time to discover the assignment God puts you on the planet for and not settle for anything less. It doesn't really matter what you did yesterday or last year. Now wake up. Now is the time. This is the moment of salvation. This is the moment for you to become awakened to who God wants you to be. And he loves fun. He loves for life, for he came that you might have abundant life. That wasn't a sorrowful, yucky life. See how I even know, knew Sid what was on this today was she walked in. She said, are you mad at me? That's her favorite line to me. And I looked over at Kay and I said, I know she can't be talking to me. She must be talking to you because I am never mad at Sid. Well, we are the same person. And so we had to go on a little fishing expedition for her to discover that today I sent her a text and I said, call me at lunch. I called to tell her about a free vacation. She thought I called her to get her in trouble. Do you understand? God's doing that all the time. He's like, hey, I got a message. You're like, oh, I'm in trouble. You're never in trouble with God, ever. Get around some covenant people because you're not in trouble with covenant people. I, we're on each other's side. We're on the same team doing the same thing. We don't have to run around like we're in trouble. I was like, you missed the joy of the... Fr I literally handed her free vacation days. Someone paid for her to go on a trip and she thought she was in trouble. How many have done that? This is what he's saying. Somebody's pulling on the string of your greatness. That's me. It's not until you begin to consistently reveal the Father's heart to them that they begin to see themselves in the way heaven sees them.
See, I've touched, I've had an encounter with the Father that I'm trying to reveal to you. It, I may not look what you thought it would look like to see someone that encountered the Father, but I've encountered Him. And once that you've encountered Him, you want everyone to encounter Him. You want them to live every day of their life like they could never mess it up. Sin is not even the problem. Remember what Mendel said Sunday, we have put hierarchy on these things and they were never, God solved that problem. I want to read to you Romans 5. We're still going there. This is free right here. This is my commercial for the night. Many have been living a lie cut off from the true and honest version of themselves, living like paupers and beggars in a land that they were called to occupy and steward. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, your assignment from God that you were put in your little pod from heaven and sent to earth is to occupy the land, to take back the territory that the enemy stole in all the generations before you. You woke up to the fact that people were living below what, the, what God said they could live and you said, not me, not me anymore. I may not be good at it. I may not know everything to do, but I am not going to live like they lived. And everybody has that story. He said, but I see the veils falling. Why did Jesus' death rent the veil in two? You see, he removed the separation. I don't have time to preach on that. Y'all all know that one. I see the identities once wrapped up so tight around seasons of wounding and disapproval losing its grip. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is breaking off woundings that have surrounded your heart that when you were little, you begin to live a life according to the wounding, according to what someone said, according to what you saw, according to what you were modeled. And God said, no, I'm coming tonight. I'm breaking that off. I'm loosing that because you were a wrapped up mummy, but you are Lazarus. And he's saying, come forth. And you're coming out of the grave. You're coming out with your grave clothes on. And he's saying that you don't have to live like that one more day because you are not dead you're alive and you're alive for such a time as this just begin to speak that like mary said and like esther said for such a time as this i was born you're not going to come back any other time there's not going to be a reincarnated you you're not going to come back as thomas jefferson this is it this is your one life live it to the fullest with abundance. I see those who have been living under a ceiling, breaking out beyond conf all confinement and into full permission. I went to Bethel 12 years ago or so now, and I stood in this room where they had their encounter room similar to what we do once a month here. And this guy walked up to me and he stuck his finger on my forehead and he said, the father 
affirms you. The Father affirms you. Four words that changed my life. Four words. That's what Keisha was saying tonight. It didn't take a lot of words. I attached my faith to that. What was he affirming? What was he affirming? All the things I had questions about. Can I hear him? Everybody can hear him. I learned that wasn't a thing. Will I obey him? Yes, I will. Will I yield? I'm a good yielder. Do I need my way? I don't. Will I be inconvenienced? I will. That one phrase changed my life. That's what he's wanting to do for you tonight. He's wanting to break you out of that ceiling. Where did I get that ceiling? Well, I got it back there at that church that told me since I was divorced, I can't do anything. Well, I could serve some donuts. But then God told me of what he called me to do. It was way outside the box. It was way outside the box of religion. I was raised in religion. It was so outside the box of religion. When you meet people that are in religion, they have a box. God's in it to them. He's not really in it. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know. But God doesn't think he's in it. Romans 5. We'll get to it in a minute. I just have a couple more lines. I see you calling out that lie that you are powerless and invisible and beginning to do something greater and no longer living by your list of excuses and reasons you can't. Listen to God. You are not powerless and you are not invisible. He so has his heart pressed up against you right now saying, come up higher. Let me show you what I made you to be. Don't live small and powerless and invisible anymore. Come in the power of what I died, my son died to give you. That's the father's heart. You are a heavyweight. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a heavyweight. Romans 5, are we there? Let me finish my commentary, can I? I'm going to read Romans 5. Don't panic, you know. It's a setup. Because God is gracious, loving, and merciful, men and women from every corner of the earth are not only declared right, but ultimately are made right as well. It happens... Through God's actions, not our efforts in the death, but in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, who was crucified for our misdeeds and raised to repair what has been wrong all along. So the promises of God made long years ago 
are now realized in men and women who hear the call of faith and answer yes to it. Romans 5, since we've been acquitted and made right through faith, we're able to experience true and lasting peace with God through Jesus, the anointed one and the liberating king. There is so much in this verse, in the passion, it says our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Now think about a transfer. When I was a wee tot, I worked at a bank. And I have this pronounced experience that happened to me at the bank. People like money. That was not the pronoun. That was. And so I was working at the bank. I was in the summer, I think I was 18 before my 19th birthday. And a, a guy came in and he said, I want to withdraw all the money on my account and close my account. And I did all the proper protocol. You see your ID that was still going on back in the early 1900s. Let me see your ID and let me see your documentation and let me get the forms for you to sign. So a couple hours later, Miss, I want to close my account, came in and she said, I want to close my account and withdraw all the money. And so unbeknownst to me, Mr. I want to close my account. They were married. Uh-huh. And every brochure we had on the counter was then on the floor. Because she found out she had no money. Because why? He just beat her to the bank. That's a transfer. You ain't got no money. You All you had was sin. Jesus came and withdrew all of your sin. You're the one going to the bank. Trying to see if there's still anything in that account. You remember everything you did and he says, what? That's gone. As far as the east, you don't even understand this concept. As far as the east, you don't even know what the east from the west is. You don't even know. When I was telling the girls about their vacation today, they were screaming and hollering. And I know they don't even know where, where I'm sitting. They don't even know what they're going to be doing. They have no idea. They've never been there. They've never done what I was set up for them to do. They don't know. But they were screaming like they had been there. Because why? They know me. They know me. Do you know? Do you know him like that? Do you know if he comes in and he says, oh, not that job. Oh, not that relationship. Oh, no, not that house. No, you don't get to have that right now. Do you know him? Do you know he actually has something better? Because that's what this verse is saying. He transferred to you. 
something you do not deserve. The weird thing about our life on earth, it will only be measured from God by the works of Jesus you did. That's why my entire life is spent teaching you to do the works of Jesus. You don't need me to help you know how to watch a movie. I don't need to have a training class on movie watching. You don't need me to train you to watch YouTube, play a game on your phone. You need me to teach you how to acquire and acquisition the thing that Jesus died for that was meant to be yours, that you were meant to possess, that you were meant to do something with, that you were meant to actually perform greater works than what Jesus did because he went to the Father and he left us the Holy Spirit on earth to be the paraclete, the animator. The Holy Spirit is the animator of me and of you. And when I shut him down and push him aside, he cannot animate this thing called life. And we begin to live by the lowest thing we can think of. How can I not get hurt? How can I be independent? You know, I, we're, we're talking about these toxic things today, and I was... I was interested in, you know, I read you that story on Sunday about how the guy left the pool in the back of his, in his backyard. And over time, the pool lost its um, beauty. And other critters inhabited the unkept water. And see, that picture and what Mendel talked about that picture is it's different for everyone some people in the room they have things they hang on to like here's one I read today they pretend to be small and passive because they think it's humility the person that wrote that unfortunately got a word from God just tonight and had to come up to the platform with a microphone and say it so how's that working for you just in that moment see he didn't call you to do what you're comfortable doing I know you think this is what I thought I was going to do my whole life stand up here and talk in front of people but believe me it wasn't I love Bill Johnson he said the other day he had this encounter with God and he said oh God as long as I don't have to speak or write books God wasn't asking your permission. He made you in his likeness for what he said you need to do because he needs you. Think of it. Think of this God that can have anything. And he made you. And he stuck gifts in you empowered you, put his precious, 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 precious Holy Spirit in us that we can move and live and have our being in him. All the plan of God is so impactful to me. He left nothing out. 
Nothing's missing. There isn't anything you lack. If you think in your mind you lack, it's only in your mind. It's not to him. And he's the one that counts. Somebody else said that they, they are a people pleaser. And I thought to myself, I have been in the service business my entire life. I played basketball in high school for what? For the entertainment of the crowd. It wasn't for me. Right? It was to win a trophy. We won those. They're in my parents' attic, I'm sure. My mom probably didn't throw those away, or my dad. One of them didn't throw them away. I don't care. Right? I went on to work at a bank for a short time. I went on into ministry, and I went on into remodeling. Everything involves people. Think about it for a minute. Isn't that the perfect plan of God? Everything involves people. You are to steward people. You are to steward. I am a steward of your story. I know most everybody's story in here because why? It's about relationship. It's about relationship. It's not about some task. Will there be tasks? Absolutely. It's not about that. And see, we, you know, just like, think about our relationships for a minute. It's so important that we understand that God is a relational God. Everything he did was for us to love God and love people. Agreed? Everything he did was for us to love God and love people. So when we say things like, my toxic pool that I leave unattended is people-pleasing. Think about it for a minute. It alters how I function in life. Because what is the aim of people-pleasing? I want to do what I project in my own mind, that they will want me to do for what? For relationship. It's the greatest manipulation. It's not a bad thing that God reveals it. Because you know what he's really saying? Um, I don't know if you know this. This is God. I don't know if you know this or not, but that thing you're doing, it's not going to yield that thing you want. God wired us, hardwired us for relationship. Another one that a lot of people said was independence. Think about independence for a minute. It's a mindset that I won't be inconvenienced with other people's stuff because my stuff's more important. We can call it something else, but see, it's the love of the Father that says, uh, I don't know if you know this, but... That thing you're doing, you're going to get the result you're the most afraid of. You're going to be alone. Proverbs, if you want to have friends, be friendly. <laughs> Do we even know how to be friendly? We have got two ladies here tonight. Y'all can do a test run on. <laughs> Easy. 
Why? We love new people, don't we? I mean, it's just like everybody's in here. Quit talking because I can't wait to get to the new people. I'm going to give them a prophetic word. I just know it. Why? We love to be activated. We love to love. We go out on Friday nights. This Friday night, we're going out. It's Tessa's birthday. Bring her a gift. We're going to have cupcakes. She's not here. She can't hear me. Listen, make sure it's something she likes because her and I, we don't like surprises. So if you're going to get her something, get her something she likes. But listen, when we go out, why do we go out? Because we have an overflow. We're not going out to see how many people we can get to come to church. We're full. We're leaders. Leaders have something to give away. Everybody in this room is a leader. Everybody in this room, God intended for you to be here to learn how to lead. You know, I left churches of 10,000 and 7,000 people to do this. Why? Because he wants us to learn how to steward people's story. He wants us to learn how to love like him. And trust me, it's not always convenient. Are we still in Romans 5? Beautiful. What verse are we on? One? Making progress. I'm going to preach on this entire chapter tonight. Just kidding. I'm too hot for that. Back to the passion. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. That's the greatest experience I've had with him. The greatest encounter I've ever had with God is the day I realized I was flawless to him. I never lost it. I have people that tell me I'm not. I know it's weird, but people criticize me. I know it's shocking because of how much you love me. Right now you're like thinking, how is that possible? People criticize me. People criticize you. People don't agree with you. But the one that matters, he's made a declaration over you. And I don't know if you know this, but when he said, let it be, like Keisha said, it was being. Nothing was stopping it. Nothing is going to stop. He is relentless. I read it Sunday. He is a relentless, jealous lover to have you fully, have you fully, have you fully. And you know whether God has you fully or not. You don't need me to tell you. You know if something else has you fully or if he does. But he's relentless. He's relentless. It says, this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace. That word peace is a Greek word, but it's like the word in Hebrew, shalom. It's like that. Remember, we talked about this. Jesus said, my peace I leave, to you, leave with you, not like the world gives. What kind of peace does the world give? So we have a contrast. It's an outside thing. Let me help you. If everything's going well. 
right? You know, Lynn has been on a four-year journey with the IRS just yesterday. She got a letter in the mail, finally. And it said, oh, you're so sorry. <laughs> that $100,000 you owe, I don't, it wasn't that much, but that money you owe, it, you don't really owe it. Well, she already knew that. Four years ago, she knew that. Do you understand what I'm saying? She didn't need them. Because she knew. Right? We enjoy this peace, this... That's why I love Sozo's so much, because... They, I preached on it Sunday, remember how it's whenever Jesus was talking to the leper, remember? And he said that, go and tell the priest that you've been cleansed. So what is that? What did I read that in Luke 17? And that word cleansed means cleansed. But then he said, the leper on his way noticed his outward self. That's where we notice it. You know, I had this thing removed from my leg, and it's still there, and I notice it. It feels like a leper spot, right? Because it's on fire. It's on fire right now. And so I, I, would, I would love it if I would look down, and that thing would be gone. That's what I'm believing for. And that's what he did. He was walking. He, oh, my stuff's gone. One guy came back. Remember when he threw himself down on the ground, Jesus said, basically, I sozo you. Well, it's a big word in the English language. I well you. You are well. You are sozo. You are completely, it's a complete inner healing. You know, years ago, I did theophosic training, which you don't have to know what that is, but anyway, it's inner healing stuff. And then when I learned about sozo, it was the game changer. Theophosic, they want to name all the demons. And that's okay. Some people want to do that. I don't want to really do that. I don't care what the devil's doing. Listen, the devil is not for you. Okay. And listen, he lies. And he's a stealer and a robber. And all sickness is of the devil. Let's just get some basics down. I know it's hard to believe that. But it's still true. Try to work your life around God's truth instead of trying to make God change to your truth. That's a good word. But listen, when he made him completely whole from the inside out, his actions changed. See, before he was going to go to the priest, he was going to go back to the religious leaders for them to say, you're good. Stamp of approval. Can I tell you, I can't promise you in your God assignment that you're going to get a bunch of stamps of approval from the religious community. I kind of think God sets it up that way so we know it ain't it. You know how many of us would do the same thing for the rest of our lives if it was just working? But there's something in us, isn't it? It's that thing in here. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe I should be doing more. I don't know. I don't feel like this is enough. I don't feel like I have enough peace. I don't feel like I have enough love. I don't feel like I have enough. I don't know. I just feel like I should have more. 
And he's like, you're right. I have more. I have an experience with Sozo. The complete wellness inside out didn't matter. That was nothing for Jesus. That's just flesh. It's the heart that he looks on. When he makes that whole, your actions change. Your outlook changes. Everything about you changes. Verse 2, it says, Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness. Here's another cool part about God. He planted within you enough faith for this right here. My activation of my faith, it guarantees permanent access to this marvelous grace. Remember what we said Sunday? It's that kind of grace. It's the empowerment to live by what he says. See, it takes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live out what God says you're promised to live out of. It takes that faith to stretch out. Say, I don't have what I know I should have. I'm going to stretch out. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect, don't you love this language, a perfect relationship with God. What else do we want? Right? We've got God's righteousness. We've got his everlasting peace. This is just another thing. We have grace and a perfect. And it says, what incredible joy bursts. Now, listen, let me help you. I'm an extremely joyful person. Okay. I wake up every day happy. Right. And you can too. Let me tell you, it is the encounter with who he says he is that you discover you can only encounter this by spending time with him. It's my last little point tonight. And are you coming? Okay. Because I thought you gave me the shake off, but then I, then you look more perky. So I was thinking, no, I think she's coming. Listen, there's an encounter waiting you. And I can tell you that you can't encounter him in this intense father to child way that he so longs without spending time with him it's not spending time with him giving you requests now see i grew up in the religious community in assemblies of god and i had a list of everything i was supposed to pray for and i was good because i'm a diligent worker right but i remember sitting in my bed in my 20s, realizing I didn't know him as father. I called him father because we were supposed to call him father. But I had this encounter with him that I didn't tell anybody about for years. And it was when I was sitting at the theater watching The Shack. 
I had that kind of relationship with him, but nobody knew it. I called him Papa. I saw the Holy Spirit that way. I saw the Holy Spirit doing things in people's lives. I saw Jesus as a friend. I had already had that encounter, and someone was putting it on the screen. And I cried during that whole entire movie. I mean, like bawling, thinking, oh my gosh, like I feel like someone just told my life story. But can I tell you something? That's happening all over the world now. Religion's outdated. Religion bit the dust. In 1984, I read a book said that the light in the denominational movement is going out, and I live to watch it. But listen, you are living to watch the greatest move of God that has ever happened on the circle, and you're a part of it. And listen, God is asking you tonight. He's inviting you into a relationship with him to where that you move and breathe to the heartbeat of the Father, the Papa God that loves us so much so that your epitaph will say, she only did what she saw the Father doing. Come on, Mendel. Such a good word, Tisa. Thank you. Wow, there's so much, so much to say to try to wrap that up. Um, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with all that Papa's been doing. I think everyone in here has been having some crazy cool encounters, and there's so many things we could highlight. Um, but, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I keep talking about it anyways, the spirit of alignment that's on the move, and that it's just this razor-sharp thing that the Holy Spirit's doing, doing where he's bringing us into alignment with the plumb line of his truth about who he is, about who we are, about what he's doing in the world. And let me just tell you, it's the safest place to live in alignment with him. It is the most exciting place to live in alignment with him. It is the most encouraging place to live when you are perfectly in alignment with him. But as Tisa said at some point in the service today, you know, we all were raised in a fallen world. No matter how much our parents loved us, there were people that trained us in ways that just simply didn't, they weren't in alignment with him in that way. And so things were um, woven into us. I'm constantly seeing that when I write and stuff about this tangled up mess that's inside of me. Which thread do I pull? You know, which one untangles this thing? And so along my journey, with him, um, it's been a continuous thing where I'll, I'll get some freedom, a certain, a certain amount of freedom, breakthrough, and I'm running along, and next thing you know, I trip again. It's that a picture in my head of your shoelaces being tied together, you know? <laughs> and you're running along, and you think you're free, and then you find another place that you're still tangled up with an untruth, with something that you thought was true, you thought was right, you thought it was a good thing to live by or, or strive for, um, and there's an entangling process there. But over and over again, the Holy Spirit has told me and Papa has told me that he's the one who pulls on the thread. He picks the thread to pull on at that particular time that unravels the thing that's keeping you in bondage at this particular point in your journey. It's not up to us to figure out what those things are. If we are in tune with him, if we really just ask him, he will reveal it. He will show us what the next thing is. 
And I'm reminded tonight of something that he told me several years ago that was such a cool picture to me that I go back to sometimes when I get wrapped up in a battle because I'm trying to figure out which thread to pull on myself, you know, because I'm like, by golly, I'm going to get free tired of this bondage. I'll do it myself if I have to, you know, I'll, I'll pull on all the threads. And that's just a miserable way to do it. But he told me one time that those things that were put on us that are not in us, you know, he wants to unveil what's in us, what he wove inside of us. But there were other things put on us, like garments, clothing that we're walking around on that's walking around with that are heavy. And he told me, well, how does a child change their clothes? How does a little child have their clothes changed? When they can't do it themselves, what do they do? Lift up your hands. They just stand there and lift up their hands and surrender to have that thing taken off. And that's all he's asking us to do. That's all he's asking us to do. It's a beautiful place to to bring us right back to that childlike position for us. But I just wanted to encourage us also that I had this encounter with him the other day um, where it brought me to Isaiah 52. And I know there's a whole lot more that's going to come from this. But for now, I'll just say that Isaiah 52 talks about how beautiful are the feet of Jesus. Okay, And verse 7, I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. What a beautiful sight to behold, the precious feet of the messenger coming over the mountains to announce good news. He comes to refresh us with wonderful news, announcing salvation to Zion and saying, your mighty God reigns. Now, we all know the story of Jesus. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here, right? So we know what they're talking about here. We know what he, what they're saying that when he talked about the precious feet of the messenger, the message that, was, that he was coming to set us free. And it's a freedom and a salvation that continues to unfold, right? But we can get tied up with the str- in our struggles and our battles, and it seems like it can take way too long. But I just want to remind us that this is a personal message that he came for. This was a prophetic message that was declared into existence with the breath of God that we sang about that said, this will happen. This is my plan. This is going on. And this breath that I said these words with will circle the earth until it comes to a completion in you. It's personal. He said he's coming to announce salvation to Zion. You know, we're Zion. And saying, your mighty God reigns. He is coming to declare to you and prove to you that he reigns. Your God reigns over the things that you struggle with. Your God reigns with the things that you don't know if they're good or bad, or if you should cling to them or throw them aside. Your God reigns over everything that you're going through right now. It says in the next verse, listen, the watchmen are shouting in triumph, lifting their voices together. They are singing for joy for right before their eyes. They can see. Yahweh returning to Zion. In the footnote there, Brian Simmons says that it it means they see face to face. So I'm just saying this is a personal act. When Jesus came to the earth, it was for the one. It was for you. No matter where we are, no matter what we're struggling with, 
it was for us. And he said that he will come and prove to you that your mighty God reigns and that you will see him face to face right before their eyes. You will see Yahweh right before your eyes. That's what is available to us. That's the journey that we're on. And that is already been declared prophetically. It's personal. It's not, it's not something that it's a roll of the dice. And if you're lucky, you might be one of the chosen few. He had this personally chosen for you when this whole plan was put in place for Jesus. He cares about your freedom and he cares about how content you are. He, ter- he cares about the satisfaction that comes with being who he made you to be. But there's another aspect that he's been breathing on for me lately. Tisa touched on it a little bit, but that's how much he wants you, how much he needs you. This new revelation I got not too long ago, I don't know if I'll be able to explain it fully again, but remember when I shared about David and Bathsheba, okay? David, if you know the story, of course, David, all the men were out to war. David saw a beautiful woman and said, I've got to have her. So he took her even though she was married and then tried to cover it up by killing her husband so that he didn't get in trouble and found, found out, right? So eventually Samuel comes with God's word and tells him the story about how there was a farmer who was very rich and had tons of livestock, right? Lots of sheep, lots of sheep. But there was, he had a guest coming and he needed something to feed his guest, but he had a need, right? And he didn't want to take one of his own livestock to feed the guy. So he stole someone else's sheep, right? He stole someone else's sheep. He stole from a poor farmer who had only one sheep, who treated that sheep like his daughter, who fed the sheep the same food he ate, slept with that one sheep, cuddled it. It says literally in the word that he treated the sheep like a daughter, like a child. And that is who the rich man stole. Now, there's a lot of messages in that story, but what God recently told me was that's how God feels about us. There's just one of you. God's not poor, okay? It was symbolism, but God's not poor. He's not a poor man, but he only has one of you. You aren't replaced If there are just a million people out there in the world, that doesn't matter. He only has one of you. And so we don't want to, of course, steal ourselves from him. Would you take from him the one thing that he wants? The one thing that he put this whole plan into action for was to have you, to know you, for you to be in relationship with him in your original design. So we can preach all day and talk all day about how much more comfortable you'll be, how much happier you'll be if you do this journey with Jesus, you know, and how you'll operate in your in your design. And that is all great and good. And we are all motivated, no doubt, by wanting to be out of battle, right? Free from battling. But what about the fact that we just love God and we love Jesus. And for just that reason, we would do the hard work. We would say yes to him. We would yield to him. We would say, yes, come and touch my mouth. Send me out. Say, here I am. You can have me because you made me, because you designed me for such a time as this, because you said you loved me and you needed me. And there's only one of me and I will not rob you of me. That's a whole nother angle that we need to be elevating in this world. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if we really love God, 
and we really say that he is who he is to us, and we really say he can have it all, we need to give him this thing, give him ourselves, do the hard work, do the journey, and let him come and just do that simple act of saying yes, of yielding to him and lifting up your hands and saying, you can pull off the heavy things that were put on me, reveal to me, reveal to the world who I really am so that I can simply be a pure design for who you made me to be. And I can be fully yours in relationship with you for such a time as this. So Papa, we just say thank you for this word tonight. Thank you for this plan that you put into action that was prophesied thousands and thousands of years ago that was prophesied for us to have a personal encounter, a personal face-to-face encounter with Yahweh where we would be it would be proven to us in our lives, in the story of our lives, it would be proven and testified of, of that our God reigns above every struggle we've ever faced. So I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the promise. I thank you for the promise that you made, for how faithful you are over your promises. And we just say yes to you. We just thank you that we don't have to understand it all, that we can be just as little children, lifting up our hands to you. So we just yield to you tonight and ask us to take off the heavy things, take off the things that were never of you, and reveal us to ourselves and recognize that our journey is all about that. So we just say we love you. We love you. We want to give you all that you are owed and all that you deserve, Papa, simply because you loved us first. So we just say yes to you tonight. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Papa. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.